Hands off parenting. It's just hands off parenting. Put that down. Don't touch that. Stop it. Hello, I'm Abby. I'm Steph. Welcome to Hands Off Parents. How are you today? Mm, I, I'm a little frazzled. <laughs> are you? That's You're weird. Like, I didn't notice. It's weird. There's a lot going on today. Like, yeah. It's whenever my kid is off school on a day when she usually isn't off school, I feel like it throws me off in a way that I can't even describe. It's just, yeah, your routine is like, I want to drop you off and then and, not talk to you yeah, for and eight I'm just hours. Doing all the things I usually do, but she's here. Yeah. Luckily, she's amazing. <laughs> she is. Yeah, she is. She is. How, just, how are you? You started school this week. Yeah, I started my school. Um, it's fine. I'm wearing a shirt that has a logo. So professional. So there's that. You look very sleek. Oh wow! We have an amazing guest who doesn't want to hear us talk about this. Uh, we have Dennis Draper with us. People mm-hmm. like applaud. Uh, uh, everybody, everybody, take a minute. Take yes. your hands off your steering wheel and this clap is, your hands. Um, I will say that Dennis is one of the greatest people I've ever met in ever. my life. The greatest. Oh, yeah. you guys are way too nice. The greatest. <laughs> And the fact that he doesn't know that is why he's yes, the greatest. Yes, that's why he's the greatest. He's a legend. Yes. Dennis is Here a in legend Houston. in the Houston theater community. Yep. He is the glue that holds it all together. I agree. Yeah. We've been trying to get him on here since like the dawn of time yeah. or since we started. So, I'm usually getting my hair done at this time, so it's hard for me to... <laughs> he has a lot of hair. Yeah. Curly. Um, okay. So, Dennis, hi. Yes. Hello. Hi. Um, tell us what you do during the day. Uh, well, during the day, I'm the director of events and operations just for the Alley Theater. The Alley so Theater I plan, is huge. Plan, you know, all the events that are taking place in the building that are not on the stage. So if it's a meeting, if it's a rental, if it's daily operations, that's my world. You're the mom of the Alley. I feel that way all the yeah. time. Yeah. You're the butt wiper. Yes. Is essentially what you are. Yes. Most of my job uh, is sending out reminders that people have to remove their lunch from the refrigerators <laughs> on Friday. Very, very fun. And ask <laughs> You're people... You're that person. Yeah. I ask people where all of the forks and spoons have gone. <laughs> Somewhere in this town, somebody in their backyard has an art exhibit <laughs> of all the forks and spoons from the Alley Theater from the last Last 20 years. Can I ask you a question yeah. as a person who runs a, a venue, as I do? Um, are you just like constant? Are things constantly walking away? I feel like oh, yes. half of my job is where did the blank go? Like um, it is the most frustrating. I get made fun of because I label everything. You have to. I, my favorite thing in the world is a silver marker. <laughs> Because I, you do have to, and right. I only learned this after every time I turn around, the stage management department has labeled all of my tables and things. So I went back with my own labels and said, uh-uh. Right. <laughs> no, you have to label everything. You have to organize everything. You have to do a weekly check. It's total babysitting. So are you organized like that in your personal life? Not I, at all. I used to be. I until? used to be completely anal until I had to do it so much at work that when I get home, I have to have something different. So I, I just, you know. So you do have that muscle to flex. Like you have, oh, yeah. that's in your wheelhouse. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You just can't. I can get crazy anal with organization. Okay. Like my craft room that I used to have. Mm-hmm. Everything at home? was labeled. At oh, home? Yeah. Oh, my God. You Can't had a craft room. No. And I'm pretty bad with my desk at work, too. But I did read that article about messy people being really yes, creative people. Yes. And I'm just going with it now. Yeah. How I feel the same I way. I know exactly where things are. Are you a um, pack rat or a minimalist? Hmm. I would say pack rat. I'm gonna, I would guess that. I would, I, you know, I can be an organized pack rat in certain ways, but yeah, pack rat, especially in an, in an, 
in a job where I have to have like you know Forks. different things I have to have because we do rentals I do events when I started at the alley we did not have certain things in our stock so every time we did dinners for yeah. instance I had to rent dishes and I had to rent forks and spoons right. and tablecloths and now I have all that stuff now in fact my staff really hates my desk because I it, I do hoard underneath the desk you uh-huh. can't get under there anymore That's- yeah. For for anyone not from Houston, just for um, comparison's sake, the alley is like our Lincoln Center. Basically, it's the it's biggest like regional theater. It's humongous, and it's, what is it? It is. It's the it's the it's the biggest regional yeah. theater in it's, the it's southern. One of the biggest regional theaters in the south. It's the uh, one of the oldest regional theaters in the U.S. And it's started. fancy. It's like you yeah. get dressed up and go to theater, not like exactly. You right know, I mean, room. we still summer shows. You still got people coming in shorts, not but like that's garbage okay. Can, yeah. I mean, you know, but it does. I, I'm pretty impressed with what we produce. No, it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah. But that's not why we brought you here. Not although, about babysitting yes. a, an organization. <laughs> um, we brought you here because you are a dad. Yes, a I dad know. of a. Uh, how old is your he, son? He's 17, about to be 18. Okay. So he's a, I would say he's a young man. Yeah. He's yeah. on the precipice of hopefully voting. Yes. yes. <laughs> oh, he will. He's, he's very on top of that. Um, it's interesting because I was listening to some of your other, uh, other podcasts, in particular where you were talking about people sort of hitting that point in their age where they were wanting kids. Yeah. And as a gay man and as a single gay man, that hit me at 35. Wow. Which so, is when the biological clock kicks in for right? a woman. Yep. And it really was one of those emotional things for me. I mean, I don't think people, you know, I didn't, you know, display it a lot, but it was a big thing for me, especially with siblings that had kids. Right. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I was, I was happy being an uncle, a gunkle, um, <laughs> but it, it's not the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you didn't want to give them back. No. And I wanted my, I wanted to have my own experience with raising a kid and, and hopefully teaching them the right things and doing all that and I got pretty depressed about it yeah uh, and then when I hit 40 I so did you for those five years were you thinking actively like how do I well, remedy adopt. this situation or... I, I thought about that now you know that was 10 years ago and right. it's it's very different world that we live in now being yeah. a gay man than it was 10 years ago yeah. so I didn't see much hope I also didn't have a partner and I've never felt financially you know, secure enough to feel like I could have done this on my own. Nobody ever, but that is something that I think very normal. I don't think think you're ever rich enough or you never have enough time. I've realized that now I realize that there's no preparation, but at the time being a single gay man, I just, and I wanted a baby. Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I thought of adoption, but I've always thought of having a baby. Right. And so when I hit 40, five, six years ago, um, I just gave up. I thought, well, mm-hmm. you know, at 40, the only way I could have anybody in my life is to adopt an older kid because I I have a mother who, you know, at 44 gave birth. Oh, my and, God. Really? Yeah. And I have this what? younger brother who... I don't think I knew that. Oh, yeah. I've got a younger brother and a younger sister. There's five of us total. Okay. And there's 20-something years between <gasps> me and my little brother. Wow. And the at weird thing 44. about that for me was that he grew up... My father passed away when he was 10 and then my mother's an older woman, so he has not experienced any of the world I experienced growing up. Yeah. You know, relatives, he didn't have the grandparents that I had. You know, it's just right. a different story. So I, in my mind, I was like, I don't want to do that to a kid. 
And then unexpectedly, two years ago, I uh, – well, actually, three years ago, online, on Facebook, I met a cousin that I did not know existed. Okay. So one of my cousins had kids. She was in a lot of trouble. She had drug problems and lost all of her children. She has four kids, all by four different oh fathers, wow. right? Wow. So the family didn't know some of these kids existed, so, at the time, his name was Dustin. His name is Blue now. But Dustin had found his extended family online. He had gotten a iPad and was given permission to get a Facebook page and discovered all these people. He had known his birth mother, my cousin, but okay. he had only known her from a distance. He had not seen her since he was three years old. Wow. So, was he in foster He was care? in foster care okay. from three, from age three to age... Eight, he was in foster care with with family members who abused him. Oh, God. And then at age eight, he went into the system, and he has been in the system since he was eight years old. His other siblings had all been adopted fairly early off, but he was in the system. And he was familiar or is still familiar or um, in touch with his other siblings or not really? He is. He's, he is... Uh, in touch with all of his siblings. Okay. They, the, the adopted families have all been wonderful. Awesome. Not all of the adopted families are in touch with the birth mother, thank goodness. But, right. But uh, they're at least allowing the kids to stay in touch, which has been a good thing. Yeah. But, you know, he, he had a lot of, I think, behavioral issues. And I think, personally, a lot of this happened, of course, because of, you know, the abuse that he experienced from three to eight. Of yeah. course. And then after that, not getting the right kind of help. And then to be perfectly honest with you, CPS, I, I feel like it's it's wrong for me to say that it's a joke, although I feel like it's a joke. But mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of hardworking people with CPS. I just don't think that they have enough resources. It's a it's a broken system. It's yeah. a very, very Especially broken here system. In Texas, in Texas it's, it's ridiculous. So and it's, they're, I mean, they're, and they're being sued. It's there's endless and they issues. Should be, yeah, you know. Um, so so we met online, and then two years ago, I received a call out of the blue saying that his foster family in Dallas that he had been with for four years, which was the longest he had ever been in one place. And he was how old at the time? 14? He was fourteen at the time. Okay. Now he had been in a total of twenty seven different placement homes since he was eight years old. Oh my goodness. If you can imagine being eight, getting to 14, 27 different places. So you're never settled. I'm like crying. I know. It's, it was really, it's really an uh, unfortunate thing. It's, you know, so when I, when I got this phone call, they said, look, he's losing this situation. Our options because of his age and because of his behavioral issues are either to send him to a boy's home or to find a family member that's willing to take him in. They felt like my relationship with him, which we were, you know, CPS was aware of, was very strong. He had come out to me mm-hmm. when we first met uh, online. But at, at this point, mind you, I had never met him face-to-face. Yep. So so I was able to say then and there that I was willing to foster him. I said, you know, I, for me, there was no question. Right. I wasn't letting him go to a boy's home. Right. I'd already fallen in love with this kid, you know, just from a distance. So um, we agreed that he would move in with me. And as where a was foster. he living? He was in Dallas at the time. He was in Dallas at okay. the time. But in the process, what they did is CPS moved him to Houston to 
not too far from my house. But because of the way the system works, I wasn't allowed to see him. I could speak to him, but I wasn't allowed to see him. So he was in a family with a family who I felt like was sort of a foster family, you know, mill system where basically uh, this woman had six kids in her home and they were eating nothing but chicken and rice for, you know, two of the meals, three, you know, two of the three meals a day. And it was just crazy experience, but she was clearly making money. Right. Now as a family foster, I did not get the same financial, which I wasn't expecting. Mm-hmm. Okay. Time out here. Cause Abby okay. and I spend a lot of like, um, like, uh, I don't know what the word is. There's an image, there's a, an image of what a foster parent is. Uh-huh. Yeah, like there's a, very a utopia, but there's, oh. a, there's a utopian vision. Oh, that we have. That we have. Yes. And then, and then there's, there's the opposite extreme, which is that people get paid to yes, be foster parents. They do. Yes. How much do they get paid? They get probably <clears throat> around uh, anywhere from like, I think around seven or $800 per kid per month. What? So if you imagine this woman who had, you know, six kids yeah. that she was fostering, she was making that kind of money per month per kid. So this is why there's so much neglect. Yeah, and that yeah. money is supposed to go to the kid, right? You know, but no, it doesn't. It goes and to you... raising the child. Which I mean, yeah. we all have kids right now. Yeah. You know that. Yeah. Sure, uh, it costs a lot. However, you can no do it on the cheap. You can. And uh, yeah, and I've read those. Right, we've all read those stories yeah. of yeah. these parents who it, just. And it's one of many horror stories. I mean, you know, Blue's told me so many stories now of the places he's been and the abuse he's had and, you know, other foster kids picking fights with him. And because, you know, he obviously was a little effeminate and, you know, it's one of those situations that, you know, does it just like, I mean, now that he's your son, like, Mm -hmm. does it just rip your heart out to hear him talking about this stuff? Like, I mean, because all you want to do is protect your kids. That's it. And it, it, I will, I mean, it's. It's such a horrible, horrible situation and other things that he's been through and, you know, different places. I, I would love for him to be able to forget all that yeah. and to be able to move on. But it's it has really uh, established itself in his life and he everything moving forward. It will always that will always, you know, be there for right. him. It's always overshadowing because things. it's literally wired into his yeah. brain yeah. it's his identity <laughs> yeah. it, it's i mean we talk about these tests you know that they've done with monkeys and with mm-hmm. like about when you're early early childhood and and all those yeah. connections that you make and if you are in some sort of traumatic situation when you are under however old you know five years old that you can't you can't get rid of that stuff that stuff no. is permanent like love is permanent in your body mm-hmm. and neglect is permanent in your body and abandonment is permanent and all all of these things both positive and negative um yeah the first year as you two know the first year of my life with him was i will be honest living hell, hell. i cried a lot uh, sitting in my car, <laughs> yeah. thinking, what have I done? Why would I think that I could uh, could do this? How, you know, I'm going to ruin this kid. He spent every day testing me. His His thing, and he still does it to some extent, but his thing is to see how far he can push you because he assumes he that, that there's a limit mm-hmm. and that you're just going away. Right? Yeah. Because his experience all this time has been push, push, push. They go away. He goes somewhere new. Yeah. Um, like I'll push you away before you push me away. Exactly. So I went through hell. He ran away three times on me. He, I remember that, you know, it was, it was the worst time 
I will say the worst time of my life. The first time he came back, I uh, he had uh, he had cut himself, you know, but very superficially, but like you know, cutting. Yeah. And I'd known that that was a part of his past, and I did not feel like. I, I will say that when CPS made this decision to bring him, they met with me twice. One hour the first time, 30 minutes the next time, and I have a child. And they were like, here. They they <laughs> called references, but I did not go to a class because I'm family. I did not have to do the same thing that other people would do, which I think is absurd. I think anybody that fosters should go through classes. Um, Although parents don't go through classes. Well, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I but, wish we could. But, you know, yeah. when you get a kid who is... <clears throat> At the time was fifteen. Yeah, you know, I to this day I still don't have his medical records from CPS. I'm still fighting for that, and this is two years. Oh my gosh! Um, so I got this kid without knowing what med- I got his medication, but no explanation of it. I got uh, no explanation of his past, so he's dropped off. So I don't know. So after he ran away the first time and he came back with these cuts, I freaked out. Mm-hmm. Now, I'm not. That's something that I've not experienced. You know, no. I, knock on wood, I'm lucky that I don't come from a background that has a lot of that kind of stuff going on. So I took him to a, uh, to a psychiatric hospital mm-hmm. um, with the advice of CPS and um, had to check him in. And I'm going to tell you right now that the most difficult night of my entire life life. Mm. I will never wish that moment on anybody. He would of course go back and forth between begging me not to leave him. Mm-hmm. And you've got this beautiful little blue eyed kid who's begging you. And then he turned into the devil and you know, the next moment, and then he would go back and forth, but you know, Yikes. I'm still recovering from yeah. that. Dropping oh your my... kid off and driving away. But oh my gosh. you know, we went through this a lot. And then at the, the last time he ran away, CPS got very involved and then put him in a facility in the East Texas area, uh, you know, about five hours from here. And so I was having to literally drive on the weekends up, spend a day getting to see him and drive back. And then CPS realized that they put him in the wrong side of the facility. (sighs) They put him in the, basically the orphan side instead of the side that you needed for mental help. So that was a big, horrible mess. And that was the time that the judge, we we met with a judge and they gave me full custody and we took him out of CPS altogether. Okay. Oh, so, so up till that point, up to that point, I was still, still fostering. Sort of fostering. Foster. Okay. After that, I was no longer fostering. I had full custody. Okay. Oh, but I will say, you know, the the biggest challenge that I've discovered that would be different than having a baby and starting from scratch is that you know you got a kid who's been who's now fifteen. Yep who has been through all these experiences, he's been, you know, he's got post-traumatic stress disorder. He has severe social anxiety. Now you meet him. He's got a beautiful personality. He's a very attractive kid. Everybody loves him. He's gorgeous. Yeah. And he immediately makes friends, but I had to understand and learn what post-traumatic stress disorder materializes itself as, as well as social anxiety because it does not come out in ways that you might expect. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a behavioral thing. I can tell sometimes his body changes and sometimes his mood changes. And now I know mm-hmm. it, it's caused a lot of problems, but, uh, but now that I know it's better. And so, you know, it's just, it's, it's learning all that. And last Christmas I decided, cause it was our first real Christmas together. Cause he was in a treatment facility, our first one. Mm-hmm. So this one was going to be our first together. So I went all out 
and ex- had expectations. Right. Yes. Right. And the biggest thing that I think that anybody adopting, especially an older kid, you have to get rid of those expectations and get rid of the thought that you're going to, you know, create certain memories because you can't dictate that. I mean, this kid um, had no desire to decorate a tree, thought my decorations were stupid. You know, I mean, hurt my feelings every second. Right, you know, I was right. a big old silly gay man. I was all excited. I've yeah. been collecting these ornaments for years. You know? <laughs> yes. but no, he had no desire. Yeah. And, and, and you have to really take yourself out of that yes. equation yeah. and know it's not about you. And that's no. really hard. When that you, is so hard. I mean, expectations, don't they just ruin everything? Yeah. Well, they do. But I'm going to tell you the saving grace. And I would imagine that this would be helpful for anybody adopting. But the saving grace is therapy for you mm-hmm. or for him for or both for both of, of you you okay. go together we go together um we have a i found a wonderful therapist in this town and we go together to this therapist and sometimes he sees us both together but sometimes he only sees blue and then of course i have my own therapist and then believe it or not it's hard as hell to find a pediatric psychiatrist that's willing mm. to see kids these yeah. days and i finally found one a pediatric psychiatrist at uh, memorial park psychiatry and so now we're able to try medications i don't want to put him on when he came to me they had said that he had attention deficit disorder and this whole litany of things that we've determined were not true yeah. at least not now i mean right. who diagnosed it's like who well, diagnosed him along somebody with cps you right. know and Ugh. and so i get this kid with all these diagnose uh, all these di- you know uh, being diagnosed with all these things and so much of it was not true and that's another thing like just to consider how long has he been on some of these drugs exactly. and what did that what have those things done to him well with this with our therapist and the psychiatrist we took him off of everything at first mm-hmm. and so for a year he was without any medication until we d- could determine just to sort of level him out yeah i so if you're being honest, was there a point during that first year when you were like, I can't, I'm not cut out for this. I can't do this. I don't oh, want to do this. I, yeah, I will say I had those moments. I was not willing to give up, Okay, but I came very close to wanting to. Yeah. Uh, one, the last time he ran away from me, he was gone for almost three weeks. And wow. I, at the end of that three weeks, literally it was a Sunday night. I gave up. I packed up his room because uh, at that time I was living in a one-bedroom apartment with a study. So I just packed up his study because I didn't want to see it every day. Yeah. I had assumed he had made this decision and he was not coming back. Right, right. Um, that was Sunday night. Monday night I went on the first date that I'd been on in probably three years and um, came home and had this weird feeling. And as I walked up, he was standing on the doorstep. Uh. He was filthy he had ringworms he had been sleeping on the street and he was willing you know and you know i just at that moment i thought okay i'm gonna i'm gonna prove to this kid i'm not giving up no right, matter what right, right. you know because that's what he was because he was really pushing do. it and yeah. so we had a long conversation i had to turn him over to cps that was the last time you know that was when cps took him uh back but i i told him i said i'm not going anywhere i will come up and visit you as much as i can and I will be here when you're ready to come back to me, but I'm not going anywhere. Right. So I've said it enough, and I really feel like we've we've had some big fights since then, 
And he'll say, well, I'm leaving and you're not my father and, you know, all this stuff. And I yeah. said, okay, you let me know when you have somebody who's willing to take you who's, a, who's an adult and I will pack your bags, and but I will not send you anywhere that's unsafe if you're making this choice. I will never ask you to leave. I don't want you to leave, but you have to make this choice. We've done that maybe five times in the last year. Wow. And I think he finally gets it. Yeah, yeah. So. it's. I mean. It's hard. I cannot... I cannot even imagine hearing you talk about this and I know you and um, I cannot imagine what you've been going through. But so what, where, where's the reward? I mean, I know there's a reward, but it talked to about the reward a little bit. Well, I, I, I'll be perfectly honest right now. I, I start to see it in that, you know, we have these conversations that are very adult right now and very, you know, I, I'm not going to lie to him. I'm going to be very open with him and, you know, and I'm starting to see it, and he feels like he's already grown up. He's been right. through so much, he feels like he's not a kid anyway. But, um, but you know, we talk about his future, and we talk about, uh, you know, he, he cried to me a few weeks ago and said he didn't understand why he had to go through all the horrible things that he's had to go through. And I said to him, well, you have to go through those things because somebody else was in control of your life, but you're about to be in control of your life, and everything will be great from now on because you're in control. And, you know, you're going to go to school, and he's excited about college. And, you know, so I'm just trying to really focus on that. I'm, I also have a great group of friends and a great immediate family because what I'm trying to establish with him is that we have – that your family is not your family you're born with necessarily. Right. Right? Right. And that all these people are here for you no matter what. Yeah. And, you know, it helps. It, you have to have a, what, a village. You have to <laughs> you have a village. No, you, you, you really do. You do. You yeah. do. It's so important. Yeah. Oh, man. I know. It's such a heartbreaking story, oh. but amazing. Like an amazing, yeah. you're an amazing person. Well, for- and there's so many challenges that you don't expect. And I know St- Stephanie brought this up earlier. When he, he was with me for about a week. When he asked me if he could get his hair cut and colored. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Now, then it hit me like it did. Okay, so we had gone shopping. He had the first time we tried, he had a meltdown because I thought, I got a gay kid. I'm going to take him to the Galleria. Yeah, we're we're going to go crazy. Right. Awesome. <laughs> Another expectation. Yeah. Well, that's the first meltdown we had. We didn't even get out of the car. We ended up going back home. And that's the anxiety that I didn't know and didn't understand. Right. So several days later, we had him on an anxiety medication and we finally made it to Memorial city mall, which was still overwhelming. But this kid would, first of all, you walked in, he was very shy acting. He would not look at the clothes. He refused to try it on. Um, I would show him something and I would say, what do you think of this? And he goes, yeah, yeah, it's fine. Well, do you like it? Yeah, it's fine. Mm-hmm. So then I would get it. I would get inside in the moment where they would put it in a bag. He was so proud to carry the bag. So this is a kid. It started hitting me. Never gone that shopping. had never really gone shopping yeah. like that. Nobody had ever bought him anything. He had never had full control of anything. He, you know, he got he got an allowance, but he didn't really get to spend it on what he wanted. And he was never allowed to sort of express himself right. in any way that we could, whether it's clothing or you know changing your hair. Or that whatever. you take for granted. Yeah. So I allowed him to cut his hair, and he bleached it. He wanted it white with colors in it. So we went through a way too expensive you know i haven't yeah. paid for a haircut in probably 20 years yeah. so there you go it helps when you're bald so that was a yes. shocking thing but we did that so we went through that then several more weeks come go by and i get up one morning and i have a two-page letter from him 
that says, I have something I want to talk to you about, but I don't know how to say it. And basically this letter was telling me that he felt like he was transgender. Mm-hmm. Okay. I had taken him and placed him in the Montrose Counseling Center has a support group for teens. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's called Hatch. Yeah, it's a great organization. Oh. <laughs> oh, no. Maybe it's well, maybe not. Here's for some. what happened it's to me. It's great for some. It is. It <laughs> is great. I will tell you. I think it's gotten so big and there's not as much mm. uh, adult supervision as there needs to be. Oh. I also think that it might not be your best place to stick a kid who has been sheltered and in small towns and in foster care with no exposure. Right. Yeah. Because I put him in this, you know, I mean. Thinking like, this is your, these yeah, are your people. Yeah, I'm a gay man. Yeah. I'm very much a part of that. I raise money for that particular organization and all this. So I thought this would be the place. But I really think what it did for him was confuse him a little bit. Mm-hmm. So he comes back. I read this letter. And, of course, you know, I sat down with him that evening. And I said, look, honey, I'm, you know. If this is the way you feel, I want to I want to certainly, you know, support you and all of this, but let's talk it through. But by the time I had gotten home that night, he had found a website with a quote-unquote starter kit. Oh, he was talking about. So in his right. mind that this was just the step to take. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So then when I sat down and I I talked to him about what it means to, you know, really be born and feel like you're in the wrong body and what it also means to be just a gay man and maybe yeah. you know I and mean, had heck, he well yeah you know. obviously he had already come out to you at he that had point. come out yeah. to me okay. and he'd come out to a lot of people at that point okay. but it but he still i don't think quite grasped what all this meant yeah. he was just in a group with a lot of kids who were identifying as a whole litany of things that i'd never even heard about up to this point yeah. you know so, I mean, seriously, as yeah. gay as I am, I had never heard <laughs> of some of labels stuff. that you're like, Wait, and what? it's important. And I know people yeah. are maybe even making fun of, you know, being, you know, pansexual and this and that, yes. but, but you know, these kids are desperate for labels right now and yes. desperate to find their place. And yeah. so he got into that with all of these kids and talked about it. And this is just where he was. And I think we talked through, he may, he may be transgender, but at, after we had this conversation, it it made him really question it and not feel you know because you know as uh, as a gay man i remember growing up and just begging my grandmother for a pair of her earrings right. but it wasn't sure. it didn't mean that i felt like i was a girl so I, we've had this conversation a lot and his psych, his therapist is very much involved in this field so oh, we're great. we're addressing things as we can so if it ends up being something but you know i tried to explain to him a lot of the a lot of people that are transgender feel this way from the moment they realize they're transgender you know they have any realization and we're going to talk next week with a mother of a five-year-old who's recently transitioned yeah it's a it's an important and who was very much born that way but but then he went to prom with the woman he okay so then he came out to me as pansexual and what does that mean pansexual means that it's unlike being bisexual and this is i had to learn this the hard way i being pansexual means that i can love you as a person, it has nothing to do with sex. Okay. So man, I can love you, man or I woman. Can, man, woman, transgender, okay. individual, whatever. Okay. I can love you. It has no, it's not, it's not a dictated. You know, there's nothing about your genitalia that I put into play with this. Gotcha. So the difference between that and bisexual I, is, I, I guess. Bisexual is about is, penises I'm and vaginas. To penises and I'm attracted to the vaginas, I guess. Uh, you know, I'm really not <laughs> I'm an expert on this. I'm attracted to neither. <laughs> right? <laughs> 
well, lately I feel that way as well. I, you know, strangely enough, it's yeah. been so long. I probably <laughs> fall. You know, I think it's called parenthood. Yeah, I think I, so too. not I being think attracted to penises and vaginas exactly. is actually called parenthood. Yes. Oh, I've determined the the one big thing about having this kid is it. You know, even though he's an older kid and can handle things on his own. So much in my life is gone. Yeah, I don't. Oh. I'm not going to be dating. I've backed out of a lot of my outside theater activity. Even though he's a teenager and moody, and needs to be in his room while I'm in my room. Right. Can't wait. Me for being days. in my room is the thing. Me being in there. Right. Yeah. Is important in this situation, especially so. given the history of exactly. him. And even if you feel like you're over some of those humps, yeah. I'm sure there's something that's uh, like, Ooh. yeah. Oh, a big thing that I had to overcome is that he likes to lock his bedroom door. <gasps> now, <sighs> as a parent, when you guys get when your yeah. kids get older, this is going to be a big thing, right? Yeah. And I have to say, it was a huge problem for me. Once again, thank God for therapy because we. We went through this, and it's not about him being private or hiding things. It's about a sa- it's a safety thing for him. So we made the agreement that he could lock his bedroom door, but I have to have a key. That's fair. But we, you know, yeah, he's, like he's in very the event rational, of an emergency. And, in the, and I said, I, I promise you, I won't use it. I won't. Okay, I'll admit to you guys, and because he'll never listen to this, I hope not. that I do go through his room occasionally because you got to check on. You know, he's a seventeen-year-old. Yeah, you you have there's got to be drugs. Check. You know, sure. that you got to watch for. I mean, so, one yes. would hope. But you know what? <laughs> Knock on wood. There's some. You know, I, yeah. I feel like we're pretty honest with each other, and it's not been an issue. And I don't do it on a regular basis. It just there have been his moments drugs. That you don't do his me. drugs on a regular basis. I don't basis. do his drugs on a regular just basis. Sometimes. That's why I had kids. Right. <laughs> when know, did I get her drugs? Do you know what I worried about more than drugs is? I worried about weapons. Really? Let me tell you why. I had him at Bel Air High School for his first experience mm-hmm. with school here. Taking a kid who'd been only to small schools oh my gosh. and throwing him into a hotbed of yeah. 3,000 kids, he he was picked on mm-hmm. by a group of oh. older uh, basketball players. He was, actually, he was actually jumped on the bus. Oh! <gasps> The the kids videotaped it, oh, no. and that's we had to press charges. But that was but at that time he was dead set on wanting to have a taser or mace, and I'm like, honey, we're not going to get in. I mean, you know, I'm an yeah. anti. Hey, I'm from Texas, and I I love to shoot a gun occasionally, but I don't want one in my house. Yeah, and yeah. I think that tasers and all that are scary. So that was the biggest thing that oh, I had to deal it's with. Like of all the. Crap that you'd have to deal with, and then you deal with like shitty teenagers being shitty people. And then how can you tell your kid that he can't protect himself? Which it was hard for me. But at the same time, can you imagine him getting caught with any of that stuff at school? No. Now, one of the other big things for us is because of social anxiety and because of that incident, we have moved to online school, and that's helped. And it helps tremendously. The biggest problem I'm having is that I am not a teacher. So I, for school that starts this next, basically this next week, I'm uh, looking for a, a tutor that will come in. He's a smart kid. I just need somebody who will come in two to three days a week and keep him on track. Yeah. Right. And that's really all that we need. But he's, he's doing really well. I'm proud of him. That's awesome. So has, I mean, where do you see... <laughs> Where do you see this going now? I mean, I mean, I mean, do you guys talk about, you know, do you kind of like envision what your lives are going to look like together? Do you, so he's a senior now. He, well, he's or technically yet, still junior because we're catching junior. up. Okay. But that's okay. one of the other 
pluses about being online is that yeah. he can catch he can up catch at a different up. pace. Okay. Um, and and he do, you said he wants to go to college. He wants yeah. to go to college. And one of the things I didn't know until I got him was that because he's been in the system in Texas, he can go to a Texas state school for free. What? So they will pay for college for your foster kid or for kids that have been in the foster system. It's the state of Texas. So the state does. of Texas. Amazing. So the it's one great. good thing the state. Exactly. Is, and hearing aids. Yes, and here it, Yeah, now. exactly. <clears throat> There's so, two. <laughs> so he's really excited about it. He has no clue what he wants to do. He goes back and forth, like all kids do. But, you yeah. know, he goes from wanting to be a photographer until I explained you can't be an iPhone photographer. You have to have a real camera. Right. Yeah. That ruined that. So, but he's an amazing cook. He's got this very natural right. ability right. To, to, you know, figure out what what tastes go together. It's I mean, you know, there's a lot of possibilities. So he has, so I was going to ask, like, he has interest that he tries yes. to cultivate. Yeah. He does. Unfortunately, right now, the interest is just hanging out with friends. Sure. And yeah. I get that, and I'm trying to figure out how we balance that, how I trust that. So I'm approaching everything on an adult, I trust you as long as you don't betray my trust sort right. of situation. Right. You know, the only thing I have for punishment is his iPhone. Yeah, right? and that's a huge it's punishment. It's the only thing. Well, let me tell you the problem. When you punish the kid and say, you, I'm going to turn off your iPhone or whatever, then how the heck do you get in touch with that kid when you need them? There you go. I don't have a home phone. It's Most people don't anymore. Yeah. So I, oh, I never it even is. thought about it. Oh, well, that's horrible, how we've talked about it. You've got to like, think about it. You're taking away the TV is the when punishment they, yeah. for us. Well, totally. he doesn't watch TV. Yeah. Everything yeah. he does in his life is on that phone. phone. Yeah. He watches YouTube. He watches TV. And so there are degrees that you can cut down his phone access to yeah. where it's only incoming and outgoing calls. Right. But, you know, I just don't know. So that's – we came to an agreement with the help of our therapist that we would not use that unless it was absolutely the last resort. Yeah. And honestly, it's worked. He He's very mature about things. He's very upfront with me sometimes. Too upfront. Too upfront. Right. And I, you know, right. as – I did not realize I was a bit of a prude, but you know, I mean, he's 17. You got to yeah. buy him condoms. Yeah. You got to have him ready. You got to have him, you know, just everything. Yeah. You got to have those talks. Yeah. And you know, I didn't get any prep. <laughs> no, it's like, here's this kid and he's already doing some of this stuff probably. Yeah. And now you have to tell him what's yeah. right and what's wrong. Have you, do you feel like you've been able to draw some boundaries or is that not even That's a good question? I have drawn, there have been boundaries that were natural. I mean, there's certain things he doesn't want, you know, I'm still the lame dad that he doesn't want certain conversations with or whatever, but what our rules are, you know, you can very normal. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. So our rules are, you can't hang out with friends that I don't meet. I have to have their phone numbers. I'm not going to call them, but I have to have their numbers, mm -hmm. you know, the biggest fight we get into is location on his phone, and I'm not winning this fight for some reason. I want him. I want him to always have his location on. Yeah, he sees it in a very different way, and the therapist and I cannot win this battle. So I've sort of give. I've I've given up on it at the moment, and said as long as you're always up front with me. You know, he's been staying with a friend in Katy for the last two weeks. He calls me every day, two to three times a day. That's, That's good. good. That's it good. is good. I mean, so I have no reason to really worry about those things. Yeah. So you like his friends and I love his friends. They're very sweet. And he's people. met some They're of good. Cause if he's doing school online, where is he? These friends, believe it or not, mainly started at Bel Air. He made some really good okay. friends at Bel Air and kept them because okay. we still live in the same neighborhood. Yeah. And so he's, um, 
he's kept up with them. They'll introduce him to other friends, you know. So he's he's having a good time. And he has yeah. a boyfriend at the moment that's really nice. I really like him. Very respectful, which that's is good. good. And so those things are going well. It's Adoption a process, is a, huh? It is. And I would totally, anybody that wants, I mean, you know, there were moments, I'm, you know, I will tell you, <laughs> there were moments that those Lifetime movies kept playing through my head, and I thought, he's going to murder me in the middle yeah. of the night. Yeah. I don't know who this kid is. Well, That was I know, the first year. Because I yeah. know violence was something you didn't expect. Yes. Well, it is. Yes. And, you know, in my family, we don't, no, I mean, my, no. there was, I remember threats of spanking, but there was never really any spanking in my family. And my mother was this quiet, it is, this quiet, sweet, tiny little woman that you would never think of hurting her feelings. So that's where I'm coming from, right? Right, right. So I get this kid who lashes out, or did. Annihilates. And, you know, we got into a fight once that he attacked me from behind, and I took out a chunk of his hair, which is all I could get my hands on. You know, and I try, I'm, you know, I make light of it now and told him that I'm saving that hair for locks of love. But, and I don't, I said, I don't even regret taking it from your head because you <laughs> right. were the one that started this and I don't get physical, but you forced it. But was that just so scary? It was the scariest moment you could imagine. I mean, oh I, I just, I can't. I am so much not a physical <laughs> no. person. You are just no. a, f- and a you're delicate not a flower. You're... And, you know, and I acknowledged my part in that because not knowing how to deal with it, my anger came through in different ways that I had never seen before. Right. You know, and, you know. Oh, had, kids will do that yeah. to yeah. you. Kids, I will say, this is something that is just parenthood. I have, that will tap into an anger. Right. <laughs> oh my gosh. And a frustration yes. and that I've that never yeah. known I yeah. had. I was kicking toys yesterday. I t- this is a sidebar. I took away the box of superheroes la- yesterday because they were being so bad. And then this morning I was like, where the hell are those superheroes? And it just occurred to me that I took them away. Yeah. And said I threw them away, but I haven't actually. Well, anyway. I'm proud that you didn't give back in, give but, back up and give it back I was, to them. I <laughs> I, they, for, yeah. they must have forgot because I forgot. They don't care. Yeah. They don't care. I'm going to tell you care. the first big fight, we, the first really big fight we got into was for me. I had taken his phone away and um, was, you know, it was because he had run away. The next morning I get up thinking that, you know, I'm going to stick to this punishment. I go and I sit in the living room, was watching television, and then realized because I had his phone with me. Realized that he had figured out how to get on a different device and text. Oh my gosh. So I went and unplugged the Wi Fi. Girl. Oh. <laughs> that started, oh. that started like World War Three with us. And, you know, it was ugly. And he lashed out at me that day in a way that I'd never seen. And, and we since have had that conversation. I, I've explained to him that in our family, because we're family, we can fight. And still be there for each other five minutes later. Yes. That we're allowed to have arguments, that things can even get loud, but we can't get physical, that we talk through it. If it, if it gets to the point we don't feel like we can talk through it, our rule is that we separate. And so that's how we handle it right now. We, <laughs> we have a safe word. <laughs> it's taco. <laughs> if, you, if one of us is getting to the point where we're not playing anymore, yeah. you say taco and you separate. That's So great. that we can both calm down. Yeah. Of course... Xanax helps a lot too for the adults. Um, and thank God for that. Uh, yes. But we separate and we calm down and I then we get come a prescription back for that again. I'm going to tell you, <laughs> it's, I never thought I would do it, but, and I'm on the lowest possible dosage, but it just takes that edge off. I was a Klonopin girl myself. Well, 
I've always joked that I, you know, that I never would, you know, it, never be able to do any of that. But I believe in it. I believe in <laughs> therapy. I believe in drugs. No, you got it. <laughs> Right? Whatever gets you through and the night, on, as yeah. I've heard. And, and he's on better drugs now. Like yeah. we, we've we've gone down the road, and I also said to him that I promised I would never put him on anything that would make him feel in a way that he was altered or whatever. Yeah. So right now we're trying Prozac. It works very well for him. Good. He has night terrors and doesn't sleep well. We've got him on a blood pressure medication that the, the our uh, psychiatrist put him on to help him sleep, and it's working. That's awesome. So, but we revisited. Every time we go to her, I say, okay, if you don't like the way this is feeling, we don't have to take it. Mm-hmm. We can go to something else or whatever. So I'm letting him be very much in control of that since he's 17. Yeah. Dennis, you are, I just, oh, I just I want you to be my dad. I agree. You're just I think so, like, thing. he, and, and I hate it when people say this. I yeah. hate it when people say this. It's really annoying when people say this to me. But he was blessed with you. Yes. Well, it's like, very truly. sweet that people say that. Yeah. And I'll be honest with you, if you're in my skin and, and you know, I like I said, I cry a lot. I still cry a lot. Yeah, it's hard. And it's I still feel like I'm screwing up a lot of things. And I, I heavily rely on my therapist, which I think is, and my friends. Mm-hmm. And I, that's the only way I've made it. Yeah. It's the only way because I have had really low moments. And I do think you know, adoption. And I know a lot of people have, you know, other options, but there's so many kids out there, especially in Texas right now that desperately need fostering and adoption. And I would do it again. You would, uh, I would, I, I think at this point in my life, it would be hard to think of it at the moment, but you know, we talked the other day, blue and I, because his current boyfriend's living with a friend and their mother. And this person has basically a house full of foster kids, but you know, not right. real foster kids. But I told blue, I said, if we ever got to that point and we had enough money and had a big enough house, I would foster kids and we would, you know, provide them with a very positive experience. And treat yes. them the right way. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because I wonder what the percentages of people who are malintended or yeah, it's really scary because there's not to find a, out, but, and there's yeah. probably not, I mean, you know, if you look at the checklist, of what you have to accomplish to become a foster parent, it's not that hard to either, you know, check those boxes Mm -hmm. and to get there. It's really not, but that doesn't really tell you what kind of person it really is. Right. And I think that's the scary thing. I mean, you know, and I, I don't know. I, I'm, I don't regret taking him and I think we're on a great path now and I think we see a great future and it's going to be still hard. There's a lot of hurdles to, you know, but you feel like the big, big, big Big hurdle, yours is behind you. I do. It seems like he, kn- yeah. like he's accepted. Like you are my dad, yeah. or this is the situation. You're, you're not, not leaving leave me, that's and that's it. the biggest hurdle. Yeah, that's I think the that's it. That's, I think that's safety trust. piece. It's trust, right? Yeah, yeah. That's I think that's where yeah. we've gotten, and I think that him realizing that I'm not going anywhere is the only thing that saved us right now. And mm-hmm. I, you know, just let him push me. If we get into a fight, I just let him push it, and I push right back with with the right words. Right. You know. Right. Well, it's so interesting. Oh. It's like. I think about, you know, we did this episode a couple <laughs> weeks ago about when Iris said that, I know you're my family, but all the time you do stuff that bothers me. You know, she said that to, to us. And I'm sitting here, listen to you. It's like, she's three. And because she's been raised in a safe place mm-hmm. for her entire life, she knows that she can, I say, can say that to you. That not only you bother me, but I know you're my family. She prefaces it. I know you love me but you make me angry, you know? Yeah. And like, that's the difference is that 
she she was born with safety. Mm-hmm. She was born into a home where she knows that she knows we're not going to leave her. There is unconditional love. She feels that, you know, and that's and a three year old pushes boundaries. Yes. In the same way that teenagers do. Yeah. Because our, they're learning from the that's very right. beginning. Yep. These teenagers, you know, that's are, right. Yeah. And and it, and our our doctor, our pediatrician, told us one point that toddlers and teenagers are having the most profound brain development. Is that true? That, that those two periods of your development, there are so many things going on. Wow. You know, brain, brain development wise that, that they're very similar. (laughs) I don't, I don't doubt it. I mean, Um, I believe it as well. And you know, it's just like when you're in your situation, you're dealing with a kid who comes to you with an inherent sense of not being safe. Yeah. Yeah. And that shit is hard to overcome. It yeah. really is. And I, I there's going to be a lot of little things that we'll have, you know, to deal with. And, and you know, and I'm not going to say that we're at a absolutely perfect place. There's a lot, you know, that we still have to work through. But at least well, we've never laid a, at least we have a, you know, we have a good ground to start with at the moment. And yeah. we'll just take it. You know, one day at a time. Well, and look, you you have people who have teenagers who it's their biological children and they go through hell. I mean, I mean, I think and (laughs) and as adults, I mean, we this was where our conversation was a couple weeks ago of just like not feeling safe and not and disliking your parents and whatever that case may be. And you're dealing with someone who I mean, you're not his you know blood dad and does he call you dad he started calling me dad from the from day one because wow. you know he and i noticed that. with him he's desperate for parents yeah he he's it. in contact with his birth mother okay and he she's probably one of the most worthless pieces of human i was gonna say do you just hate trash. her i can't stand her you hate her she's relative she's a cousin but i and she because she did this to him to, not only did she do this to him she lives in dallas she's had oh. every opportunity and he lives with me now She's had every opportunity to come and visit him. He desperately wants that relationship. He still loves her. He still loves her. She has not spoken to him since last November when he hurt her feelings on the phone. And he's called her. He leaves her messages. He texts her. She has not reached out to him. I think she finally did this last week. But... He won't give up on that. Now, he recently also met his birth father, who is very similar. And I'll be honest with you, I don't know. I think both of them are probably still either on drugs or are so messed up from whatever they were on in the past that they'll never be, you know, right right again. Their brain chemistry is completely altered. But it means a lot to him, and he still reaches out to them. And And does that feel, like, threatening to you? Um, You know, I'll lie if I... if. The the father thing, for whatever reason, because the dad actually, we met him once. He drove all the way here for a four-hour trip for one hour to hang out and then drove back. And, but that was the first time in Blue's life that he ever met this man. Okay. So I thought that was great, and Blue was very excited about it. How did he connect with him? Facebook. Wow. Facebook is the thing, y'all. That's crazy. But, um, you know, and at first I felt a little threatened there, but then, sure. you know, I mean, once again... I'm had two years with him. This is almost, I can only establish what I can establish with him before he actually is an adult and, you know, gets a job and moves away. Yeah. I will be there. He can call me father. 
you know, occasionally he calls me Denny, which drives me nuts, <laughs> which is what my family used to call me back growing up. He probably knows that it drives he, you nuts. I think he does, which I, I don't even respond in a negative mm-hmm. way. I just, you know, because if you give him the fuel, they'll take it. He unfortunately found out early off that I have a severe arachnophobia. Let's just oh, no. say that that's the worst thing <laughs> to tell a teenager. Um, but, you know. Uh, but that's fun. Like, at least you guys yeah. are making these. I just don't want this mother and this father no. to hurt him any more than no. he's been hurt in his life. And I feel like, you know, the father, he called the father last week. The father said, oh, I'm at work. I'll call you back. And here we are, you know, over a week later, and he hasn't heard from him. And the mother does the same thing. They're just not reliable people. And is she in touch with the other kids or no? She's not allowed to talk to the younger son who has never met her. Mm. She's got a younger daughter. The the youngest is a daughter and her adopted parents for some reason um, are very much in contact with her and she visits them and she posts pictures of them on Facebook together. And then the oldest, it's it's horrible because then blue sees this and then she hasn't made any efforts in his direction. And then there's an older daughter, the one that's the oldest. She uh, is on her own right now. She has a very rocky relationship with both the mother and with blue. So, but you know, we stay in touch with her if we can. And, and blue visits the different, siblings when he can that's you know, the brother good. yeah the brother's great unfortunately the brother who lives up in northeast texas is with an ultra religious family mm. unfortunately unfortunately <laughs> well i mean the thing is is that they're they're evangelical and so the gay thing and is so the just, gay thing yeah. is, not, is not a okay. non-okay thing you're, so you guys are both persona non grata i assume I mean, you're both. Well, you know, and I told him when he started, when he moved in, I said, I'm open. If you want to go to church, if you want to explore that, I don't, you know, I don't want the fact that I like, I will burst into flames when I walk in, (laughs) but we can go. Let me tell you, growing up with uh, strict Baptist on one side and strict Pentecostal on the other, I had my feel of religion and and judgment and, and hatred. Sure. And I can't do it. Yeah. Um, they're not saying that there are not wonderful churches out there that embrace. Especially here in Houston. And, in right? here in Houston. And so he's gone to church with a few friends and I'm, I encourage it. Yeah. I think there's a great community in church. Yeah. You know, especially for kids. There's a, you know, as, if it's the right church, it's a great opportunity to meet wonderful people. Um, and I'm certainly never going to turn my back on it. I do think that there's a lot of great things that I got from going to church. Mm-hmm. You know, I went to Sunday school. It was a Pentecostal church. It was very, you know, speaking in tongues and et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. But I feel like I learned a lot, and I I feel like it's important to expose kids to some sort of, you know, I, I want them to make their own decision. Yeah, I think that's I think that's per, um, the mm-hmm. best you can do, right? Yeah. So you open mind, open yeah, heart, best decision. What's good for you. Yeah. This well, story I think has been so lovely. I think we and should hard. Yeah, we should end with a with a Friday Night Lights quote. Clear eyes, full hearts, can't yeah. lose. Yeah. I mean, that feels very appropriate. I mean, I hope you, I know you're not doing this for you. And although we've talked about this, like all parenting is selfish. Right? Oh, I was very way. selfish in the beginning. I really wanted this for me. I wanted yeah. the kid. I, I, I in my Christmas. mind before he showed up, everything yeah. in my mind was going to be so different. Yeah. And it was quick. I quickly realized that this could not be for me. Yeah for him there was nothing about this that could be for me all of this is for him right now and i'm i would i hope that he knows how lucky he is i would imagine that he does somewhere in his heart i think he does and he tells me that yeah he tells me that so it's you know and he he tells me he loves me every night he calls me before he goes to bed you know while he's away 
he's yeah. you know he's he's appreciative he's a sweet kid yeah I, I am lucky we'll have our hard times but i'm yeah. overall i feel very good at the moment you gotta write this story down this is right? like a book that will sell <sighs> off it, the shelves yeah we'll we'll see yeah if i'm not dead by the end of it we'll <laughs> <laughs> we're all dead Just by kidding. the end i know yes. right exactly um, this well, is so yeah. great to have I'm you. So I'm so glad, glad you came on. The next time you, on. you come on, you need to just tell all your East Texas stories. Oh, yes. and I have those. And the those good thing the is, best. is that none of those trashy people will ever listen to a podcast. Right. They don't even know what podcasts are. <laughs> They're like, what's so the I internet? Can, I can tell you all about those people. Yeah, I, I can't wait. Um, all right. Well, thanks to Dennis for coming Thank you on. so much for coming, Thank Dennis, for and sharing me. your story. That's a very story. And I hope people listening, if you have similar stories, um, or had thought about any of this stuff and considered it, you'll reach out to us and maybe we'll share that with Dennis if he's cool yeah, with I'd it. Love it. Yeah. Um, at Hands Off Parents. I'd be glad to talk to anybody about any of that stuff if they have questions about what I've been through. Yeah. Well, foster care and adoption, I think, is a system that a lot of people wonder about. And sure. until you're faced you with a situation really where it. you need to yeah. look into it, yeah. you know, it can be sort of enigmatic. So, yeah. Yeah. absolutely. Um, all right, Dennis, we love you. Yeah. Abby, love you, love you too. All right. okay. Bye. Bye. You can follow Hands Off Parents on Twitter at Hands Off Parents, or you can always send us an email at handsoffparents at gmail.com. Or if you look on Facebook, if you're into that thing, you can find us there as well. Hands Off Parents is Steph and Abby. Um, mail camp.